You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, I've been talking about the world I want to live in a lot at the top of the show lately. I want to live in a world full of ceasefires. That would be nice. And as I said last week, I want to live in a world where people can meet and flirt, swap pics and videos, and fuck online, and not pay a personal, professional, or political price for it so long as they're posting their dirty stuff, their dirty pics and videos, where people who want to see the dirty stuff are looking for it. Some corners of the internet are basically strip clubs and you don't get to walk into a strip club and then complain about all the titties you saw there. But we don't live in the world I want to live in, not yet, although we are a little closer to that world this week than we were last week. I'll get to that in a minute. But first, another world I want to live in, a world where teachers, particularly teachers with relevant advanced degrees, make better money than top earners on OnlyFans. Instead, we live in a world where teachers are paid so poorly and student loans are so crushing that almost all teachers need side hustles, bartending, waiting tables, working retail on the weekends, good side hustles, but time-consuming ones, and not the only side hustles available to teachers anymore. Brianna Coppage was an English teacher at St. Clair High School in Missouri. She's got a master's degree in education. She wasn't able to make ends meet on her teacher's salary. She was drowning in student loan debt. So a couple of years ago, while still teaching, she created an OnlyFans account. And this fall, someone found her OnlyFans account and reported coppage to school administrators at the school where she worked, St. Clair's. I'm guessing it was one of the dads of a St. Clair student who stumbled over coppage's OnlyFans account. And by stumbled over, of course, I mean beat off furiously too, and then assuaged his guilt by ratting out coppage to her boss. Now, what is OnlyFans? None of you are asking yourselves right now. I could explain that to you, even though you don't need me to explain it to you. But instead, I'm going to let Shoshana Stahl, reporter at KMOV4 News in St. Louis, Missouri, explain it to you for me. For the last two years, and until resigning earlier this month, she was at St. Clair High School as an English teacher. And one reason for her departure? To make more money. She started an OnlyFans page, a site that's growing popular across many generations. On OnlyFans, some offer premium content to build connections with subscribers, such as inspirational speeches, photos, and even adult content. Coppage among those posting explicit content. Okay, gang, so now if your spouse ever catches you subscribing to OnlyFans accounts, just tell them you were there for the inspirational speeches. After Coppage got ratted out, the school put her on leave, and eventually she had to resign. Lost her job, her $42,000 a year job teaching English at St. Clair's. St. Clair sounds like a Catholic school. Teachers at public schools who make porn get fired all the time. But teachers at Catholic schools get fired for a lot less. They get fired for getting gay married, for volunteering at Planned Parenthood, for getting pregnant out of wedlock and deciding to have the baby instead of sneaking off to Planned Parenthood, which actually just happened in New Jersey earlier this year. But when a teacher gets fired from a Catholic school for doing porn or getting gay married or having premarital sex, people 
aren't very sympathetic. People are like, it was a Catholic school. What did you expect? But as it turns out, St. Clair is not a Catholic high school. It's a public high school in the town of St. Clair, Missouri, which was named after some random railway worker I learned after falling down a rabbit hole on the internet and not as I assumed, after St. Clair of Assisi, an Italian noblewoman who lived in the 12th century and famously said, love that does not know of suffering is not worthy of the name. My goodness, how do so many Catholic school kids grow up to be kinky adults? How does that happen? It is a mystery we may never solve. Anyway, after losing her job at St. Clair's, where she was, again, making $42,000 a year, Coppage kept her OnlyFans account up. And thanks to the publicity from the scandal, she has now made 1,000 K and counting in six months. $1 million. She's paid off her student loans and her car loan. And while she can never go back to teaching, at least in Missouri, she told Fox News, yes, Fox News, she's not sad about it. I don't regret it, Coppage said. And then she added something that really resonated with me. I strongly feel that people are allowed to have personal lives outside their career. Brianna Coppage, I agree with you. That is the point I have been hammering away at now for weeks. People are allowed or should be allowed to have personal lives outside their careers. And we live now huge chunks of our personal lives online. Pics and videos, swapping them. PG-13, G-rated and X-rated ones. It's kind of part of all of our personal lives now. And when we get caught, when the average person gets caught, well, we can't all be OnlyFans stars, OnlyFans top earners if we get fired because some asshole narked us out to our boss. The average OnlyFans account brings in $153 a month, according to some estimates. Since that's the average, it means a lot of people, half the people on OnlyFans, make less than that, sometimes a lot less than $153 a month. Again, I fell down a bit of a rabbit hole reading about St. Clair, Missouri. Did you know the most famous person from St. Clair, Missouri was Phoebe Hurst, mother of William Randolph Hearst, great-grandmother of Patty Hearst? Most of you probably have no idea who William Randolph Hearst was or who Patty Hearst is, and yet Phoebe Hearst is the most famous person from St. Clair. The most interesting thing I learned, though, falling down this rabbit hole, and this really should be St. Clair's claim to fame, is that Copage wasn't the only teacher at St. Clair High School who lost her job for having an OnlyFans account this year. Another teacher, another English teacher at St. Clair was fired after her OnlyFans account was discovered a month after Coppage's was. Turns out Megan Gaither and Brianna Coppage were friends. They were best friends, but they had a secret they were keeping from each other. They were both unbeknownst to each other, OnlyFans stars. Then Gaither made an offhand comment at a teacher's night at Bush Stadium to Coppage about making shit money as a teacher, which led to an honest, soul-bearing conversation about how they were each making ends meet on OnlyFans, which led to a collab, which is how Gaither got busted. She didn't show her face on OnlyFans, but she wore a costume in the video she made with Coppage that she'd also worn in a photo she posted on her Safe for Work and School Instagram account. And one of those tireless and tiresome porn sleuths who seemed to make up a huge percentage of the population in St. Clair, Missouri, figured it out and reported Gaither, who got fired too. The clear moral of this story, if you're a teacher on OnlyFans and some asshole parent reports you to your boss, do not pull down your OnlyFans account. 
Coppage didn't, and she's laughing all the way to the bank. Gaither did, and she's broke. Quick note before we start the show, Susanna Gibson, she's the Democrat in Virginia who made porn with her husband and then got outed after she won the Democratic nomination for a seat in the Virginia House of Delegates. She came so close to winning her election in Virginia last week, which no one expected. I certainly didn't expect it to be this close. She came within striking distance, which means... In part, thanks to Susanna Gibson, we are a little closer to the world I want to live in, a world where voters don't hold dirty pics or videos against a candidate. Again, so long as that person wasn't posting those dirty pics or videos, somewhere a person who wasn't looking for dirty pics or videos might stumble over them. All right, this Thursday, noon Pacific time, for my Magnum subs, it's Savage Love Live on Zoom, where Nancy and I will be taking your cues and giving you our best A's. And this week, very special guest joining us, my mean lesbian boss, Tracy. We will be sending out a link. Watch for it in your email on Thursday morning. And if you want to join us for Savage Love Live, become a Magnum sub now at savage.love slash subscribe. All right, coming up on today's show, on the micro, tons of your cues, lots of my A's, and on the Magnum Savage Love cast that you can subscribe to at savage.love, the Magnum, more calls, more guests, no ads. Allie Bushel, author of the Sex Party Handbook, joins me to talk about you'll never guess, sex parties, attending them, hosting them, and I model what to do and how to react when you realize you are excluded from a particular sex party. All that coming up on today's show. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the makers of my mattress and your next mattress. Helix is offering 25% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners in honor of Black Friday. Go to helixsleep.com savage and use the code HELIXPARTNER25. This is their best offer yet. It won't last long. Go get your new mattress. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Floria is an all-natural health and sexual wellness company with product lines using the power of plant actives and CBD to effectively enhance intimacy, sexual pleasure, daily well-being, and relief from discomfort. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com savage. This episode is brought to you by the Meridian Trimmer, the very best tool for trimming your body hair. Go to meridiangrooming.com and use the code SAVAGE for an exclusive 15% off. Hi, Dan. I am a 29-year-old hetero cis woman, and I'm calling to ask for guidance on how to move forward after a breakup. I dated a 44-year-old man for eight months. I fell in love with him pretty hard. He's funny, smart, open-minded, etc. Right from the start of our relationship, he was pretty open with the fact that he deals with a chronic illness, which manifests in him feeling a lot of pain and fatigue. It was the reason his longest relationship of nine years ended, given that his ex was ready for kids and he felt it was impossible for him to go through with that because of his illness. Throughout our relationship, he would sometimes act in very avoidant ways, which when I drilled him on this, he would say that as he knows I want children and marriage eventually, he couldn't see a long-term future for us. Me being a romantic would urge him to just take it one day at a time, and I always, in the back of my mind, figured he could recover, and I envisioned myself having kids and moving forwards with him. Well, he had a bad flare-up of his illness and dumped me two weeks ago, saying he couldn't be the partner I needed. I was devastated and brokenhearted. <laughs> when I went over to see him a few days ago for closure, we slept together. I cried during and after sex, but he nevertheless basically asked if we could hang out more casually meaning I could sleep with other people and I could see him when he was feeling up for it, but without the responsibilities and expectations of a full relationship. 
I'm so confused on what to do. I love him and I, and I don't want to not see him ever again. But seeing him casually and in a more detached way feels impossible given how strongly I feel about him and that I have always struggled with anxious attachment styles and feelings of abandonment that situationships usually trigger. What should I do? You should take go for an answer. Not quite no, but he's telling you to go not quite away. He's telling you to go find someone who can give you the marriage and the family that you would ultimately like to have, that he doesn't feel capable of giving to you. And he ended a nine-year relationship with someone who wanted marriage and kids because he didn't feel physically well enough to marry that woman and have kids with that woman. And it's, I don't want to call it disrespectful. You know, love is about hope and love is about an imagined future. And you can imagine a future with this man that he's not able to imagine with you. And he is the expert on what he feels physically capable of. He also has been living with his chronic illness for a very long time. And he knows what kind of burdens it places on him physically and emotionally. And if he can't add to those burdens that the illness places on him, your hopes, dreams, expectations without feeling terrible about knowing he'll never be the person that you would like him to be. And this relationship will never become the relationship that you would like it to be and the kind of relationship that you ultimately see yourself in and that he wants for you. Yeah. He's doing you a favor here. This is sad. It is tragic that, you know, obviously you guys have feelings for each other. If things were different, if he didn't have a chronic illness that placed a lot of limitations on him, including emotional limitations on him. Yeah. You two might be able to be together. What he's telling you is that you can't be together. He's offered to see you casually. All right. Well, just as he knows what he's capable of physically and how his disease is likely to progress over time and what that makes impossible for him. You know what is impossible for you emotionally. You have an anxious attachment style, uh, situationships in the past, friends with benefits relationships, casual relationships, left you feeling not so great emotionally. They weren't good for you. All right, well then, obviously you shouldn't get together with him anymore. If when you do get together, you wind up having sex that makes you feel connected in a way that revives all of your hopes and dreams for this relationship, impossible hopes, impossible dreams for this relationship and sex that sets you up or keeps you living in false hope for what he's telling you can't be. So that is both a no and a go that you need to take for an answer here. No, he's not the person that you're going to be with. It's a, he's a wonderful person for you to have been with. You learned, you grew, you connected in this relationship. That's good. But if what you want is marriage and family, kids, you got to listen to him. He's telling you that he can't give that to you. And the guilt 
that he would feel if you were with him in the hopes that he might be able to give that to you at some point when he knows that he can't is too much for him to bear the emotional weight of that on top of the weight of his illness. It's too much and it's too much for you to ask. And so I think you're going to have to let him go. And if you can't keep your hands off him, when you see him, and he can't help but falling in love with him all over again when you see him. Don't see him. As alert listeners know by now, lucky me, I have a husband and a boyfriend. Men collect them all. But what do my husband and boyfriend have? What makes them lucky besides having me? They have, we have, Helix Sleep mattresses. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers and even a mattress made just for kids. Take the Helix sleep quiz to find your ideal mattress in under two minutes. There's a huge variety of options for everyone in your polycule. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. Plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. Unlike other brands, Helix mattresses do not contain fiberglass, which can be harmful to your health. Your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. They offer a 100-night trial to try out your new Helix mattress and a 10 to 15-year warranty. When I took the Helix quiz, I was matched with a Midnight Lux model, and both my fellows love it and everything we do on it, which includes occasionally overheating. Helix is offering 25% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners in honor of Black Friday. Go to helixsleep.com savage and use code HELIXPARTNER25. This is their best offer yet. It won't last long. Go get your new mattress. Everyone under your roof and in your bed, including your very special guest stars, will thank you. That's helixsleep.com slash savage and use code helixpartner25. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Hey Dan, late 30s, New York. So I'm trying to explore anal and um, one of my friends told me that the prep is exhausting. It requires several days, a specific diet, to avoid um, accidents. What's your take? What What is the prep time? What do you recommend to avoid any accident so that I can explore that? It's going to be my first time. It's not the first time for the other person, but I would like to be able to explore that without any major issues. Like what's, is there any truth to the dieting or, or like the cleaning and etc. I really appreciate your input. Anal douching is nothing new. But in the last 10, 20 years, there's this absolute mania that's taken root for this kind of elaborate pre-anal intercourse preparation that you've heard about, where people go on special bottom diets or they skip meals or they eat ice chips for dinner because they might be getting fucked tomorrow and they douche for hours. They put so much water up their asses, it's coming out of their noses. Also what? So that they don't accidentally poop on someone's dick. Now, poop on a dick is not ideal and it does ruin the moment. Shit has always been anal sex's PR disaster. It used to be though, and for many people it still is, that 
you kind of get to know your body and you have a good hunch and you can make an educated guess about when you're good to go if you want to get fucked. If you have a decent diet, if you get a lot of fiber in your diet or you take fiber supplements as some people do and you drink water and eat fresh vegetables and fruits and you don't subsist on Big Macs and Diet Cokes and coffee, yeah, when you've had a good bowel movement, you're generally, usually, almost invariably good to go. But if you don't want to have to think about it, you don't want to have to worry about it, and it seems these days that most people don't want to have to think about it or worry about it in the moment, you can prep. You can douche. Read Jack Morin's book, Anal Pleasure and Health. It has chapters. Great advice for people who want to explore anal pleasure and do so safely. There's also tons of information on the internet. There are whole articles out there about anal prep, prep before anal intercourse. There's also a lot of articles written in the last 10 years by people who are bottoms who feel that there's too much pressure on them to be sparkling clean and to never have an accident and some pushback against this regime of preparation. And, you know, I think that's legitimate. There's some parts of the long-suffering bottom discourse that I think are ridiculous. It's often framed anal sex as something that the bottom, you know, they're cleaning out and doing all this just for the top's pleasure, as if there's nothing in it for the bottom, as if people who like getting their asses fucked don't actually like getting their asses fucked. I'm here from the ass fucking universe to tell you that people who like getting their asses fucked like getting their asses fucked. And so when they clean out, it's not just for the top, it's also often for them. So they can enjoy anal without any anxiety about there being an accident or a mess. But if you're willing to accept a little anxiety about there being an accident or a mess and or use insertable condoms or plain old regular condoms. So if there is an accident or mess, it doesn't make a big mess because you can just lift the bottom of the condom, stretch it open and then turn it inside out and pull it off and throw it away. And everybody's still clean. You can have anal sex when you feel like you're good to go. And if that's not enough for you, if just feeling like you might be good to go, if taking that guess and that fuck of faith, that leap of faith, is it good enough for you if you couldn't live with yourself? If you'd be so mortified and humiliated if you got a little poop on somebody's dick, then yeah, douche, clean out, eat nothing but ice chips for a week in advance, buy a little Dyson butt <laughs> vacuum cleaner you can shove into your colon and hoover it all up, get it all out. But a lot of that prep is unnecessary. And some of that prep is dangerous because the tissues, rectal, they're very thin. And the more you're scrubbing them, the rawer they're going to be when it comes to anal intercourse, the likelier than you could be injured, contract a sexually transmitted infection. And so be gentle with your butt when you're going to have anal sex. And don't feel obligated to put yourself through every last prep tip, preparation tip that you read about on the internet or see on TikTok.
This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Euphoria, makers of products for amazing sex, the kind of sex you want to have. Products including arousal oil, clean lube, bath salts, and suppositories. People are literally saying things like this about Foria's products. This is a quote. I had a three-minute orgasm and then a five-minute orgasm and felt like I was surfing in a perpetual wave pool of pleasure. And another quote, we use Awaken, and when she gets on top, we both come so hard that we see sounds and hear colors. And it doesn't hurt when GQ calls you the best sex product of the year, and Shape says you are the best invention since the vibrator. And leave it to Foria to make suppositories sexy. They did it. I'm not sure what they put in there. I know there's CBD at least, but they have some serious love potion energy. So yeah, you have my permission to try this. I fully endorse you to go ahead and treat yourself to more deeper, fuller pleasure wherever you can find it as often as possible. And you can start with a bottle of Foria. Foria is offering a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting www.foriawellness.com savage or use the code savage at checkout. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com forward slash savage for 20% off your first order. I recommend trying their Awaken Arousal Oil and Sex Oil. You'll thank me later. Hi, Dan. I'm a 23-year-old cis straight guy living in the greater Sacramento area. I recently graduated college and moved back home and broke up with my college girlfriend. I'm calling because my sister, who's about a year and a half younger than me, also recently moved back to the area. And we both don't really have very many friends nearby, so we've been hanging out quite a bit, which has been really nice. A few weeks ago was her birthday, and I was introduced to her newish best friend. When she told me her friend would be there, I jokingly said, are any of them single? To which she replied, oh, you aren't their type. I didn't think much of it, but then I met them, and one of her friends is super cool and attractive. The next time I saw my sister, she said, do you think my friends are cute? And I said, I thought that the one friend was. She then said I couldn't date her friends. This kind of bothered me because my whole life I've had friends who have been into her. She has often entertained these friends to varying degrees. In high school, she dated one of my good friends, and a few years ago on New Year's, she said she wanted to make out with my best friend, and I encouraged her to do so. So I've always supported her dating my friends. (laughs) My sister and I hung out with her friend that I'm attracted to again, and she brought her on a two-night camping trip with most of our family. We spent a good amount of time together, and we were both flirting with each other pretty hard to the point where my mom even noticed and said I should ask her out. We also shared a moment with just the two of us, and it felt really special, and we talked about our recent relationships and just got to know each other more, which was really lovely. I brought this up with my sister again after the trip, and she could tell I was more serious about it. I said I just wanted to ask her out and let her friend decide and kind of go from there. My sister said I should just be her friend for now and see where it goes. I was okay with that answer, but when the three of us had plans to get drinks and my sister had to cancel, I asked if I could still go with her friend, and she said no. She didn't want me to go on a date with her friend, and she wanted me to stop liking her. She said she was the only good friend she's ever had, which might be true. I told her okay, but I don't think I can actually stop liking her. She's extremely cool and attractive, and I haven't felt this strong attraction to someone in years, including the girl I just got out of a relationship with for a year and a half. It's really hard to meet people in the Sacramento area, and I was on Tinder for a few days, but it just makes me depressed. I've really been craving an organic connection with someone, and so has my sister's friend. I don't know what to do, Dan. I don't want to do anything to harm my relationship with my sister or her relationship with her friend, but I can't stop thinking about her. Even if I could ask her out and she rejected me, I would feel much better. I have been rejected plenty of times, and I'm totally okay with it. I'm just a very forward person, and it bugs me that I can't just tell her how I feel. Oh, but you can. You can tell this girl 
how you feel. You can ask this girl out on a date. And you don't need your hypocritical sister who was making out with your best friend at a party very recently. You don't need her permission to ask this girl out. And you should stop asking your sister for permission to ask this girl out. I can understand why your sister is reluctant for you to start dating her friend. It may be a little different in your sister's mind right now, even if she hasn't been able to articulate it. The circumstances, your circumstances may be different because you're both living in a new place and neither of you have many friends. And if you start dating her friend and it goes to shit and there's conflict and your sister really likes this person and socially is more dependent on her than you were, I guess, say on your best friend back when you encouraged your sister to make out with your best friend, yeah, if things go south or go south quickly and it doesn't work out, that could cost your sister this friend that she is more reliant on perhaps than you were reliant for, you know, your social life on your best friend that your sister made out with at that particular party. But yeah, telling people they can't be attracted to people, forbidding people to ask each other out because it's just wrong, calling dibs like this. It didn't work when Ma and Pa Capulet did it or Ma and Pa Montague did it in Romeo and Juliet, which is a work of fiction. It's just a play. But, you know, it doesn't work when people say you can't be attracted to that person or ask that person out. It tends to make that person more desirable. So go to your sister, give her a heads up, but you're not asking her for permission. You're going to her and say, look, I'm into your friend. She's clearly into me or I'm getting these signals. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll find out because I'm going to ask her out on a date and address what may be your sister's unarticulated concerns. If we go out, we will have a conversation about, you know, if it doesn't work out between us, we're going to be mature and we're not going to play those bullshit straight games about you can't be friends with any of my friends if we break up because one of those people that you couldn't be friends with if we broke up would be my sister. Or I couldn't be friends with my sister anymore. You can't stop being siblings, I guess, but you could stop being friends. And you're not going to do that. That doesn't mean it couldn't happen if the relationship goes south. Things could get very, very, very tense, even if you promise to be mature adults about it, college graduates who happen to be living with their parents about it. But you're likelier to behave in a mature fashion and err on the side of trying to de-escalate conflict if you've promised in advance when you first began dating that that's how you would behave if you stopped dating or stopped going out or broke the fuck up. But dude, dude, you like this girl. She seems to like you. You don't need your sister's permission to ask her out. You owe your sister the courtesy of a heads up, which you've already kind of sort of given to your sister. So you know what I would do if I were in your shoes? I would go ask this girl out and then tell my sister that I asked this girl out. And hey, if you ask this girl out and she's not interested in going out with you, then problem solved. And if she is interested in going out with you, well, then your sister will just have to get the fuck over it. This episode is brought to you by the Meridian Trimmer, my new favorite tool for shaving down there. Meridian offers powerful trimmers that cut through even the coarsest hair, but their trimmers are gentle enough for your privates. You'll enjoy a comfortable shave below the belt with no nicks, cuts, or ingrowns. Meridian trimmers are for men, they're for women, they're for non-binary folks, and they're for any style, whether you prefer a completely bare, neatly trimmed scruff, or a well-rounded 
Porsche. This high-quality waterproof trimmer is fitted with a 6,000 RPM motor, safe ceramic blades, and an anti-nick shaving guard. And Meridian has so many happy customers, over 1,000 five-star reviews online. With the Meridian trimmer, you can get your body hair looking just how you like it and feel good and sexy with your fuzz. Get a Meridian trimmer today for the ultimate trimming experience without the pain, discomfort, or awkwardness. Order now and take control of your grooming routine on your own terms. Listeners of the Savage Lovecast get an extra 15% off your order using the coupon code SAVAGE. Go to M-E-R-I-D-I-A-N grooming.com and use the code SAVAGE for an exclusive 15% off. You deserve a better and safer below-the-belt trimming experience, and with Meridian Trimmer, you can get one today. Hi, Dan. This is a 32-year-old lesbian woman on the East Coast. I'm just calling because I work in a daycare, and I really love my job. I like the staff enough. We get along fine. We work together really well. Um, My head teacher is very experienced. She's the same age as me. I really enjoy watching her and learning from her. We actually get along quite well considering she is a Baptist Christian and I not so much. It never really seems to come up or be an issue, but she really loves to bring up politics or her views and A lot of other teachers and admin in the school, including parents, are very liberal from queer families, and it just, for her, seems to come up in conversation a lot. It makes me feel very uncomfortable. She knows that I am a two-mommy family. My son will eventually go to this school, and she and I and our other assistant teacher will be his teachers. So basically, I never know what to say when she makes transphobic comments or judgmental points about her as a Christian woman in a very liberal area. And it just, I don't want to talk about politics at work. I don't want to talk about politics in front of kids. I don't want to talk about politics with someone who I know thinks I'm going to hell It is very unfortunate that this person who I otherwise actually like a lot and get along with quite well just is someone who I deep down really have no respect for. I don't tend to speak up or disagree with her or have discourse with her because it's not the place or time. And she's going to be watching my child for a couple hours while I am home because I only work half days. And I just selfishly want to maintain peace there so that my child is not looked down on. So I don't tend to speak up or disagree or defend people within my own community because for me it just doesn't seem appropriate or worth it. But then I feel guilty and I oftentimes feel like if I do say something... I feel bad or as if she's judging me and I'm confident in who I am, but I just, I can't shake the feeling of judgment. Or maybe she's being actually nice to you because she likes you. I'm going to give this a charitable read and game this out as a little bit of a thought experiment. 
most people I know who once were homophobic and are not homophobic or transphobic or biphobic anymore got over it because they got to know someone, usually at work, sometimes in their own family, who was queer, who was a lesbian, who was a gay man, who was trans or had trans friends, a gay or lesbian or bi person or a straight person, a cis ally who spoke up for their trans family members or friends. And the relationship that they had brought them into conflict with what they had been raised to believe about queer people. And it was the creation of this tension, this cognitive dissonance between what I believe, what I've been raised to believe, what I profess to believe, and what I've come to know about the person that I love, a family member, a coworker, a neighbor. And eventually, the person who's no longer homophobic or transphobic let go of their transphobia or their homophobia and chose the people, the coworkers, the neighbors, the family members in their lives over what they had been taught to believe about these people. Maybe your coworker is clumsily working her way toward that epiphany. Maybe not. Maybe your coworker is just one of those conservative assholes who think it's free speech when they run their mouths about politics at work or at Thanksgiving dinner table or say homophobic or transphobic things to people that they know to be queer and it's just they're telling it like it is and they have a right to their beliefs and free speech, free speech. And when you push back against somebody like that, they tend to freak out because they think having political opinions or making insulting judgments about people is their right as a conservative and no one's allowed to dislike them for it or judge them for judging other people. Everyone has to tolerate their intolerance. That's the less charitable read. So what do you do? Well, somebody runs this daycare center, right? Can't you go to this person and say, you've got to get this person to stop talking about politics at work and to stop saying hateful things at work? Surely there's some sort of if you live in a liberal area, anti-discrimination statute that covers the creation of a hostile work environment and allowing this woman to continue to work there while she says homophobic things to you, her lesbian coworker, and says homophobic things, I guess, in front of the kids at the daycare center, some of whom have same-sex parents. It's got to be against the law. There's got to be some risk there, some potential liability that the daycare center as a business is incurring. And maybe if you went and complained to the person who is asleep at the switch, who could discipline or fire this woman, you wouldn't have to put up with her bullshit anymore. But what do you do if you don't want to do anything? Well, if somebody in your place of employment is an asshole, sometimes, not all the time, but an asshole some of the times, and you don't want to push back aggressively or confront them, one option is to stare at them blankly, is to just not respond. If this woman is playing the persecuted conservative in the liberal environment card, she's saying these things probably to confirm her priors. She wants you to persecute her somehow. She wants you to go and complain to HR. She wants you to argue with her, tell her that she's an asshole. And you can deny her the satisfaction of disagreeing with her, of arguing with her, of complaining to your boss about her by just 
giving her the thousand yard stare, just looking right through her whenever she goes off on one of her transphobic or homophobic rants or climbs up on the cross and complains that she is the persecuted minority in this liberal area because she is a hateful bigot and hateful bigots are subjected to hateful bigotry at the hands of the liberal people who are always saying we should tolerate. Yeah, don't give her the satisfaction. Look right through her. And once she's no longer getting negative attention from you in the form of size or glares or any attention from you at all when she pulls this shit, maybe she'll stop. Probably not. Not until she has that epiphany or not until she gets her fucking ass fired. Probably won't stop, but you don't have to play along. Before we get to this week's listener response calls, I want to share a couple of comments about last week's show that were posted at savage.love. Says Andy, to the midwife who called about tongue ties, I am a pediatrician, so I get to see kids a lot longer, and unless they're having problems with nursing, the tongue tie almost never causes problems with speech or other functions during childhood. Teens don't talk to me about cunnilingus, of course, Andy goes on, but I think it would be best to let them get to be adults and decide for themselves whether to have their tongues clipped rather than encourage parents to do what is probably an unnecessary procedure on their infants. Says Danielle, I loved your answer to the woman wondering if she should stay in Spain and have kids with her boyfriend or come back to America. You forgot one thing, Dan, though. Europe is far friendlier to families than the U.S. Paid parental leave, free preschool, free college, walkable cities. Caller, stay in Spain, get off U.S. dating TikTok, and get on EU parenting TikTok. And finally, sex coach Shannon posted about the caller who was suddenly, and for reasons she couldn't understand, bursting into tears after sex. When we're dealing with change or stress and not expressing it, the intensity of sex can become the place where our mind, body says, yo, life is fucking stressy as fuck right now. In my experience, this is a really common reason behind crying during or after sex. Even I've done it. And if that causes more stress, it'll keep happening. The solution is to identify and reduce stress where possible. A lot of you posted great comments at savage.love about crying after sex. And I just wanted to say, you know, from the reader who taught me where the clitoris is back in 1992 to the listeners who this week had so many great comments about crying after sex, I am still learning from my readers and listeners. So thank you to everyone who wrote for more insights about crying after sex. Please check out the comments at savage.love from Kindness is Key, Shadow Lincoln, and Joe the Commentator. And remember, savage.love is the one place on the internet where you should always read the comments. All right, for more of those listener comments that you should always read and more of my responses, check out Struggle Session, a weekly bonus column exclusively for Magnum Subs. Goes up every Thursday at savage.love. For all the perks of being a sub, become my sub right now at savage.love slash subscribe. And now, listener response calls. Hi, I have a piece of feedback for the woman in the last episode who cries after sex. Uh, this happens to me, too. And I used to really pathologize it a lot. I, I don't have any history of sexual trauma or abuse. And I feel super safe with my partner. But my feeling about it is that if I have sex for a long time and I have a really big orgasm, this happens to me. If it's just a quickie, it doesn't. So... I think it's just the chemicals in my brain sort of having this big release and then I cry. I try to just breathe through it. My partner holds me and it can actually feel really good if you just 
let those feelings move through you and try not to worry about it. I don't know if this will help, but it took me a couple years to kind of wrap my brain around it. And now it doesn't happen to me as often, I think, because I've just learned to accept this about myself a little bit. And my partner accepts it too and, and knows that nothing is wrong when that's happening. This is in response to the most recent Magnum episode where a caller asked if using a penis-shaped dildo made him gay. I was really surprised by both you and your guest's answer. You said something along the lines of using a toy that is penis-adjacent means that you are into penis, and I find that really strange. As someone in a lesbian relationship using strap-ons and dildos, there is no part of us that ever considers any of our toys a penis. If we want to incorporate that into a play, that's a completely different story. But I don't think it has anything to do with sexuality. I think a man finding a good dildo and using it in his prostate doesn't mean that he wants a man with male energy and a human penis inside him. Hi, I was calling to respond to the woman who was calling in about tongue-tied people and having them clipped young or um, as an adult. And I have to say, I'm in my early 40s. My partner's in their late 30s, and they have a tongue tie, and they give great cunnilingus. And honestly, there's a little divot in the tip of their tongue because of the way the tissue is connected and it provides even more it's like a nice little like a rib almost (laughs) which definitely provides some more pleasure so i love their tongue tie and it is a feature not a bug and we're gonna leave it there got a question for next week's lovecast or something to say about something i said on this week's lovecast you can record your question or comment right now at savage.love slash Ask Dan, or you can use the voice memo app on your phone and email your question or comment to q at savage.love, or you can party like it's 1999 and call our actual landline and leave us a message at 206-302-2064. This is your weekly reminder to get that dirty movie made for Hump. The deadline is coming right up December 8th. Grab a friend or two or three, get humping now and get your dirty little masterpiece into my dirty little film festival go to humpfilmfest.com slash submit right now for all you need to know about getting your movie into home follow me on instagram and threads at dan savage follow me on blue sky at dan savage and you can still sometimes find me in the bad place at fake dan savage to learn more about ali bushel's work go to alibushel.com that's a-l-i-b-u-s-h-e-l-l.com Magnum subs, don't forget Savage Love Live this Thursday, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. We'll be sending out a link Thursday morning. Check your email for that link and join us for Savage Love Live. If you are not yet a Magnum sub and you would like to join us, become a Magnum sub right now at savage.love slash subscribe. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and Nancy and the tech-savvy at-risk youth. In addition to bringing you a Savage Love Live this Thursday, we'll be back at you next Tuesday with an all-new Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading.